Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. The next day, he, that's John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. John 1, verse 29. To those of us who attend Mass, this is a familiar statement. It's said at the elevation of the consecrated elements just before communion. John's Gospel is a little different from the other three. He doesn't actually report the baptism of Jesus. Instead, he tells of John the Baptist not knowing Jesus until a sign is shown to him, the sign of a dove settling upon the one whose sandal he is not worthy to undo. The preceding Gospels tell tell us that the Father booms from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, as Jesus leaves the River Jordan after being baptized. John the Baptist, as I noted last week, was Jesus' cousin and knew him. However, in John's gospel, we're given pause for thought. You need to read the end of the first chapter. Whether John truly doubted Jesus' identity is not the point. The revelation that occurs on the bank of the Jordan, the second epiphany, makes a difference to our lives. Whether it's the Father's words of affirmation from heaven or John the Baptist's words, behold the Lamb of God. At Mass, after the consecration at the altar, the priest holds up the bread and wine, now the body and the blood, and announces, Ecce Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi. At least that's how it was said when I was growing up. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Those same words John the Baptist used marked the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the reason he became incarnate and dwelled among us. Every week I attend Mass, I'm reminded of the sacrifice Jesus made for me, for all of us, and how unworthy I am to even be in his presence. Yet I am called, I am invited to fall into his arms every moment of my life, to surrender to him that I may live fully as he intended. Who is Jesus? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, a beloved son. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny and I believe homeschooling is a unique lifestyle. I'm here to dispel the preconceived ideas many may have about what educating our children at home looks like. For a lot, it's school. For me, it's my fulfillment as a wife and mother. I crafted a lifestyle that will leave me knowing without a doubt that I gave my all and am well pleased. Over the years, I've spoken to a wide range of mothers and fathers who not only place the responsibility of child rearing above their highest joy, but have also found that they don't have to venture very far from the kitchen table in order to find wholeness within themselves. Although I have to admit, I have found some who do venture quite a long way away. Going against what everyone expects us to do in order to unleash the fount of happiness takes courage. You have to work at your own heart issues and find out how you can pursue your passions and live your dreams. God has equipped you with everything you need to live your life fully. It's all inside us. So listen up while I spout on about how I've jumped 
in and out of my box, gaining insights and delights along the way that I'm happy to share here with you. I enjoy the diversity of the culture we call homeschooling, an umbrella term embracing the learning that takes place outside the traditional education arena and inside every one of us. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy and sometimes frustrating, but for me it starts and ends with God. The beauty of his creation, a smiling face, the rising of the moon, a rousing piece of music or a simple hug. If you pop by, I'll offer you a couple of PG tips to fortify this time together and a chocolate biscuit to tickle your taste buds and to thank you for staying. But I understand you're on that side and I'm over here broadcasting live from Dallas today. I've just had breakfast with Dorts and Hubs. And after the first break, I'll be talking to Barbara Frank, who has written a curriculum for her teenagers to help them live on their own after leaving home. That's a dream we all aspire to, isn't it? Barbara and I have a lot in common, and I'm sure she'll strike a chord with many of you this afternoon, too. So make sure you stay tuned. I'm all set, so grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNinnies, where we dreamed with our children and encouraged them to be creative, responsible and upstanding citizens. So are you ready? Today is my four-year anniversary with Toginet Radio. On the one hand, I can hardly believe it's been that long. And on the other hand, I feel as though I've been doing it forever. Thank you to everyone who has made my weekly broadcast possible. I've learned a lot about recording, editing and presenting my show. Um, I've also met over 150 people as treasured guests who continue to bless me with emails and updates. Champagne maybe tonight? Well, we were in town last week and we're in town again this week. We're driving around today, ruling out places to live. Now, we're not planning on giving up our country dream. We just want to be where our children are since we are stateside. It seems such a waste to be so close and yet so far. We might as well be in England, although I tell you, we would both rather be in England. Anyway, for me, the prospect of house hunting is exciting. I don't think it is for my cowboy. I just get the feeling... But he knows all the areas and some of them are up and coming since he was born and raised here in Dallas. And some of them are, you know, sort of up and coming gems, even though that they were rough parts of town when he was growing up. I've always loved looking at properties and thinking I could own that, especially when the property was a business. Chances are, as long as I was prepared to put in the hard work, I could own anything that I wanted to. But it's almost been 30 years since I've driven around looking for potential businesses or properties, so the novelty is bright and sparkling for me. Hopefully some of my glitter and enthusiasm will rub off on my Texan. As my guest last week said, we can influence our immediate environment by our vibes, and mine are most definitely positive today. I had dinner last week with my reading group and we selected our books for this year. And that reminds me, I need to email them the list. That seems to be my job. Funny enough, two of the books were my selections. One's a mystery based on a true story about the first murder on a London train in Victorian England. The second is called The Hundred-Year-Old Man Who Climbed Out of a Window and Disappeared. And it's very funny. I've read that one before. The best thing about reading group is that we usually read books we would never pick up ordinarily. So we are stretched and the discussions are always lively. Sad to say, the restaurant we went to wasn't the best. But the most exciting part of the meeting was we decided to change up the monthly format somewhat and continue 
and combine our reading with our critique, since we don't seem to be able to get together quite as frequently as we used to. To do this, we agreed to start earlier and include a light supper instead of just snacks. I can see this becoming a mini supper club, and it promises to be a fun year. Last week, we stayed at our second home where the newlyweds live, and boy, their house is very cold. I've said that before, I know. It's funny how your children eventually learn that the frugality imposed by the housekeeping budget when they were growing up wasn't a torture device. I recorded the chatterbox bird Gill they have for about 40 minutes. I found that if I sat with him, he didn't say anything. But if I left him on his own with my recorder next to his cage, he just rattled on and on and on. He's very funny. He has a telephone conversation where he is on both ends of the line. It's absolutely amazing. I have yet to edit out the long silences, so I haven't listened completely to everything that I recorded. We cooked dinner over there and Dortz joined us. I made a delicious encrusted salmon with pesto, almonds and cheese, roast veggies, wild rice, a spinach with blue cheese salad and garlic bread, followed by a mouth-watering salted caramel cream pie that my daughter-in-law thought I'd made from scratch. My reputation goes before me. We don't do badly for ourselves on these little trips as we couch surf. Well, we don't couch surf. We're a little bit too mature for that, but we bed surf and we're we're becoming dab hands in alien kitchens. While we were visiting, my son and his wife went live with their crowdfunding project to raise money for their bird training business. Pop over to Indiegogo and check them out. It's called Window to the Wild. And I don't know why I'm so nervous for them. I've written blogs and tweeted and asked some of my guests to publicize using their social media. We can only watch on the sidelines as they navigate the entrepreneurial route They're very positive and we keep our sensible ideas to ourselves. We're remembering how we felt when we were young and enthusiastic about what the world had to offer. And we support them by listening, giving encouragement and some wise counsel thrown in every now and again. As parents, my cowboy and I know our children so well. We were both at home with them for most of their lives. In fact, I'd go so far as to say we know them really well. I was always there the moment something changed for them, the instant they could balance onto two-wheeler or go all day without a diaper or swim a length underwater in the pool or hit a car in a parking lot or take their first steps or the girlfriend finished with one of the boys or the audition didn't come through, the grades were disappointing or they came home with a minor in possession ticket. Now, when they're venturing out on their own, forging a future, working hard, I want to be there too. Somehow texting and the other end of a phone isn't quite the same. I at least want to be in the same city and watch them chase their dreams. So that's why we're driving around for another day today, ruling out neighborhoods. And talking of dreams, I chased my dream without my parents and I became the mother I wanted to have. With all its difficulties, challenges, upsets, rewards, heartbreaks, and foreverness. I was so involved in all my children's lives, I can't say I wish I'd been there because I was. I didn't spend too much time at the office, out shopping, or having mani pedis and haircuts, lunches, or dinners. I did spend some time doing some of that, of course, but never too much time. I became exactly the mother I dreamed of being. My children had the exact relationship with me I wish I'd had with my mother. 
And you know what? They may tell me off when I admonish them about something. They may say, well, mom, that's what you would do and I'm not you. But I do get affirming notes like, each day I aspire to be more like you, mom. R-O-F-L, as the texts go. And what have my children got from this dream of mine? Well, they are secure in the knowledge that they're loved by me with all their foibles and quirks. I love them so much, I almost think I could outdo God. Well, it's time for me to go on my first break. You're listening to The Sociable Homeschooler on Tokenet Radio. I'm Vivian McNinney. Uh, go replenish your drink and I'll be back with my guest after these messages. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Join us every Monday at 10 a.m. Central for the Johnny Rowland News, Guns, and Motorsports radio show with commentary about current events, guns, shooting, and firearms issues, automotive and motorsports features, and special music presentations. Johnny is recognized as an international firearms authority and ballistic engineer, as well as an accomplished and widely recognized automotive designer and longtime TV and radio host. This program draws on Johnny's experience in shooting, motorsports, and as a professional entertainer musician. Don't miss Johnny Roland News, Guns, and Motorsports. Infotainment at its best. Trust us on this one. It's a fun show. Every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, I'm thrilled to introduce you to my guest this week, 
Barbara Frank, a homeschooling mother of two boys and two girls who have graduated and all but one has left home. Like our family, they spent a lot of time together during the formative years with both parents working from home and teaching their children. Also, similar to my family, the debate about whether to go to college or not was aired and the conclusions drawn were varied and respected. Barbara is the author of Life Prep for Homeschool Teenagers, a curriculum she wrote for her teenagers to help them live on their own with a goal of financial freedom. She and her husband started a company called Cardinum Publishers in 2003 to publish their first book and several others followed, including Thriving in the 21st Century, Women of the Old Testament, 14 In-Depth Bible Studies for Teens, and The Imperfect Homeschooler's Guide to Homeschooling. Don't ask, we homeschooling mums know how to manage our time. Barbara, welcome to my show today. Hi, Vivian. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's it's really great to talk to you because um, during our communication, I think we found out a lot of um, common ground between um, the two of us. First off, though, I want to ask you, what brought you to homeschooling? Did you homeschool right from the start or have you had a school experience? Tell us about it. Um, it's interesting. I didn't realize it at the time, but I feel that I was called to homeschool. Okay. Um, I, I, in retrospect, I can see where God laid different things on my heart over the course of my childhood and my mm-hmm. young adulthood, but I never dreamed that I would not send my children to school. Um, and I did do it from the very beginning. Um, actually, when my daughter was, my oldest daughter, who's 30 now, when she was six months old, um, I attended a conference by Raymond and Dorothy Moore. Mm-hmm. And it just blew me away. And my husband went to, and we said, well, you know, when she gets to be four or five, we'll make the decision and prayed about it. And um, But even before then, it became obvious to us that this was what we were supposed to do. And so we decided we would take it a year at a time. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what we did. Um, and where and were we, you? Where were you living? We were in the Chicago suburbs. Okay. Which is and where, where I were had there grown many? up. Were there many homeschoolers there? I mean, was there a community or, you know, were you, you sort of blazing the trail? I don't know. I, I think I came a little bit behind the trailblazers, but it was fairly early on. Um, when I went to the conference, which was at Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois, which is a mm-hmm. suburb of Chicago, um, there was a full auditorium. And from what I, it was my understanding at that time that these people had come from all over the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you do the math, it was pretty rare. Um, but it was so heartening for me to see because I had read about it in their book, Homegrown Kids, and I thought this was like a really isolated thing. And to see so many dedicated parents um, was really encouraging even then. But I didn't really um, start meeting other homeschoolers until um, I think once my kids were maybe six or seven. Okay. And we moved to a town a little farther out from Chicago, and we started meeting with people here and there. Um, but it was rare. There weren't all the groups. Um, there wasn't the Illinois Christian Homeschoolers um, Convention until the following year. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty rare at that time. Right. Did you follow the Moore approach? Did you did you go their route? Oh, I don't know about you, Vivian, but I followed all sorts of approaches. <laughs> I, yeah. I started with one thing, and, you know, then when it stopped working, I would try something else. And then over mm-hmm. the years, it became where I realized I had to work differently with each child. Mm-hmm. Um, so we tried a number of things, and it was interesting how it worked out because each of my children had 
similar educations in the early years and very different educations in the teen years. Yeah. But all at yeah. home and all together, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, with my youngest having Down syndrome, um, that was a whole nother ball of wax, of course. Okay. Um, okay. And I kind of felt like God didn't expect me to keep homeschooling when I had um, a baby with a lot of problems. He was in the hospital the first month of his life. He came home on mm-hmm. a apnea monitor because he would stop breathing. Mm-hmm. And he ended up, they said, oh, he'll be on the monitor maybe three months. Well, he was on for two years. Really? And he still stopped breathing, but the doctor said, you know what, I think this is just how he is. I think it's safe to take him off. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, it was very disruptive to our household, and I felt that God really couldn't expect me to keep homeschooling with two teenagers and a preschooler and a baby with disabilities. So my plan then was to put my big two in high school mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that I, you know, to make my life easier. And, and did you? Um, like, <laughs> well, like Jonah... I tried, and God just kept putting up roadblocks. Um, we lived in a terrible school district. Mm-hmm. Um, they mm-hmm. were on the financial watch, watch list by that time, and yet they were one of the most expensive school districts in the state. We did not want to send them to school there. We'd heard all sorts of bad things, so we tried to move. And we were trying to find a five-bedroom house with an office because my husband had a business in the manufacturing industry, and he needed quiet you know, when he was working. And we tried and tried. We finally found a house. And do you know, we put a, an offer on it, it was accepted, but before we could sell our house, somebody came along and got it. Oh. So then I thought, well, we'll put them in private school, and we priced that, and we clearly couldn't afford that. And so basically, God took away all my options except homeschooling them through high school. So that's what we did. Well, it was funny and how it you said, well. yeah, it was funny how you said that you've, you've really felt that God couldn't possibly expect you to continue homeschooling. And I thought I thought that was funny because well, that was what you thought. And were you, you were you getting messages? Yeah, were you getting messages, or were you just thinking this is going to be too hard for me, a human? You know. Yes, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Is I don't know how I'm going to do this. Mm. And even when our youngest was born, um, at that time my older kids were eight and ten, and then I had a 22 month old, and then my youngest, mm. and um, I didn't know how I was going to keep homeschooling then, but we were really committed to it. And so my husband, in the leap of faith, quit his job and started his own business. Mm-hmm. And from day one, he had work, um, plenty of work enough to support all six of us for many years. But he did that to help me because he felt that he could see the results of homeschooling. He could see it was working, and he wanted it to keep going. But I clearly was swamped at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, our son, he he had to be in multiple therapies, Um as he grew older, you know, they tell you kids with Down syndrome don't have any curiosity. And we always said we were going to take him back to the social worker's office who told us that and let him take apart her office when he was two because he was everywhere. He was like Curious George. Yeah. And yeah. kids with Down syndrome are hypotonic. They have very loose muscles. So he could climb up anything. He could throw his foot over our five-foot fence and escape out of the yard. So it required constant diligence. <laughs> Sure. I look back now at the age I am now, and I'm a grandma now, and I just think, how did I do it? And I know that was God giving us strength mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. do, you know, to get through all those things. But, you know, I've talked um, with other mothers who have um, children who have various um, physical or mental challenges, and they they all said, really, how would they have coped with their children in school? And having to deal with all of that, because I just have a friend whose child has dyslexia and she would have to take him to 
the special hospital like every day for two years to do these classes. And she said there were mothers there who had other children in school. And she said it was a nightmare for them to try and get their children, her children picked up and working the carpool and everything. Whereas my friend just took all her other children with her and they just did whatever school they could while they were waiting for their one child to finish. Well, over time I did discover, because I knew nothing about the special needs world. Mm. There was no one in my family that had any developmental disabilities or anything. And I did take the kids with me to his therapy appointments and stuff a lot of the time. And over time what I discovered was that a lot of these parents are devoting their lives to driving their kids to therapies, to advocating for them in school, um, to fighting at sometimes with people mm. over what's going on with their child. And in the state of Illinois, and I don't know what it was like in other states, and I don't live in Illinois anymore, but in the state of Illinois, Homeschool Legal Defense told me, do not sign any papers because when you do, you are giving up your right to decision-making until he's 21 regarding his mm-hmm. education. Mm-hmm. And in that time since then, I had a niece who was born in Illinois who has special needs, and her parents have been at meetings where they tell them, we're putting her in a different school, and they say, we don't want her in that school, and they are told, sorry, we've decided what is best. So they also operate under that strain of taking their kids to things that maybe they're not really wanting them to be in. Mm. So you're mm. right. It, it is very challenging. But I didn't know that at the time. No. But you've written about it. Yeah, and you, you've Pardon written me? about it. You've written about that in your on your website. I know I've seen some yes, things. That I, yeah, written. I've written a lot yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thank God that we did um, homeschool because when we had him, as soon as they told us, well, you won't be able to homeschool this one, you know, you'll have to put this one in school, um, you know, that made us both think, well, why? You know, mm-hmm. it seems like homeschooling would be even better for him than for the older ones. And so that kind of got us going, and I did a lot of reading, and we both agreed that, you know, God didn't give us this child to give away. We, we were going to homeschool him too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we could spend the whole show talking about um, special needs <laughs> and whether or not, whether or not, um, we're professional. We get browbeaten by professionals saying, well, you can't do this because you're not qualified to do that. And you're not a professional. But we are fully qualified and we are fully equipped as parents. Oh, exactly. and, um, you know, and we can we can go to books and we can do our research. But what I do want to talk about um, is and I'll, we'll just introduce this quickly before we go on a break is Thriving in the 21st Century, the book that you've written. Now, when have you just written it? Is it published yet? It has been out for a couple of years. It took okay. me seven years to research it. So okay. it's, it's, there's a lot in it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So after the break, we can go into more details. But um, just quickly tell us um, where we can go. I have time to for this. Uh, to buy the book? Um, it's available wherever books are sold. Um, there's also an ebook version that you can get at Amazon. Um, the print book is available like Rainbow Resource, Christian Book Distributors, Barnes & Noble. But any bookstore can get it for you. All right. And you and publish that yourself? Yes. Cardamom, we started Cardamom in 2003, and we've used it to publish all of my work. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's our, our vehicle for publishing. Do you publish other people's work? Um, no, we do not at this time. And I don't know if we're going to go in that direction or not because I, I – my husband does all the technical end, and I keep him pretty busy. So, All right. Because <laughs> okay. we take turns. Okay. Well, yes. that's good, and we'll talk more about that after the break. It's time for me to go on a really short break. I'm talking to 
Barbara Frank. We talked a little bit about her homeschooling background. And when we come back after this break, we're going to be talking about her book, Thriving in the 21st Century. So don't go far. I know you'll want to listen to this. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Evermore, people have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Viktor Frankl, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka. And frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things. And are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes. Then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now... These deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central, on toginet.com. In the annals of recorded history, there has never been anything that can compare to home movies. But now, in this modern era, where do you turn for the best information? Right here. It's the Home Movie Legacy Project, hosted by Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Learn how to organize, digitize, share on social media, use as genealogy research, repurpose or even monetize found footage. Discover ways to find films about your own family that you didn't even know existed. Or create a documentary that can use the power of home movies to deliver a message that can impact the lives of many. For more on Rhonda and the show, go to our website, homemovielegacy.com. Then be here as the journey continues with the Home Movie Legacy Project with Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. All right, Barbara, tell us the reasoning behind writing Thriving in the 21st Century. Well, as you know, we were raised to believe that if you get good grades and get into college and get a degree, you'll get a good job and you'll always have a job. That mm-hmm. was pretty much the mindset of the 20th century, the late 20th century. And mm-hmm. um, it's natural that you raise your kids the way you were raised. And so a lot of us parents have been, you know, raising kids to believe that they've got to go to college if they want to succeed. Um, the problem is, is it's no longer true. Uh, it's also college has gotten so expensive, it has risen annually at twice the rate of inflation that mm-hmm. people can't afford it. And in a lot of cases, in order to go, they have to take on a tremendous amount of debt. Yeah. Um, ironically, the Bureau of Labor, Labor Statistics, the BLS, 
has put out reports. They put out a report every two years, and they project 10 years into the future, and they use economists to discover what the, where the big growth areas are in jobs. And at the time that I wrote the book, they were projecting out 10 years about to 2020, and they said that 81% of the fastest-growing jobs of the 21st century will not require a four-year degree. They may require some post-high school training at a tech college or a community college, and in some cases, not that many, they require an associate's degree, which is a two-year program, but only 19% of those jobs would require a college degree. Mm-hmm. And yet our society pushes everybody to go get a college degree. Um, and even a few years ago, President Obama in his State of the Union speech said, our goal is that every young person in America will be able to earn a college degree. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't make sense when you look at, you know, what the economists are saying about where our economy is going. And as there's more, you know, changes in technology and automation, we're losing jobs left and right. And so we're telling these kids to borrow all this money to go into debt to get a degree, and now we've got already a lot of college graduates, young graduates who have a ton of debt, and they can't find a job. Mm. They estimate that it's about 26% unemployment for young people right now. And sadly, if you go online and you look up student loan debt, you will see forums where people are, they're threatening suicide, and some have committed suicide because they get out of school, they can't find work, but their loan payments are due, and they don't see a future for themselves other than working to pay off this debt. Mm. And it, it can be substantial, and you cannot get rid of student loan debt through bankruptcy. Mm. So they don't, they don't see any future. So I think it's a risk to tell your children to go to college unless your child is college material. And, and by that, I mean, I mean, we all want to believe that our kids are super smart and everything, but what I mean by that is they have the aptitudes and the interest to do something that requires a college degree. You know, if you have a kid who's really smart, really good at science, um, would like to be a neurologist, yes, we need neurologists. And they say that medicine is one of the areas where we will still need plenty of people. But that would be a good reason for going to college. Going to college because you think you need a degree, going because you don't know what else to do, this is where we start getting into trouble. And society is pushing all those kids, oh, of course you want to go to college. And so they go, and even the ones who only last a semester, if, if you've borrowed money, then you come out of one semester owing probably about ten grand on average. And how do you pay that back? So that was what started me, and I was watching my husband's business at the same time, which I told you had gone on for years, and it did very well. And all of a sudden, after 9-11, something changed, and most of his industry started moving to China. And um, by 2006, he had to close down the business because... So many of his clients had gone out of business. Mm-hmm. And manufacturing is always like the um, canary in the cave, you know, that tells you first that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Manufacturing always got hit first. And so that's what actually propelled me to start researching the book, was trying to figure out what was going on with my husband's industry and the economy, um, that all these businesses were moving away, and um, how were people going to make a living. So anyways, um, when I researched the book, um, I, I found seven strengths, certain things that we need to put into our kids if possible as we raise them and train them so that they're ready for a completely different economy and a different world of work than the one we grew up in, one that will make them more versatile. And um, I could talk all day about that subject, so I won't, but I will say that I think one of the most important things you can do for your children is to teach them to do things for themselves. 
the more that they can do for themselves, the less they have to pay somebody else to do. Because the nature of work now is that jobs are more temporary. You don't have one job for your whole life. And so there will be times when your kids will be unemployed or between jobs. And if they are able to fend for themselves as opposed to being dependent on other people for everything, that will help them weather those difficult times. And then the other point I would make is, um, and we've encouraged this with our kids with varying results, is I would encourage them to have a goal of being debt-free. Because being debt-free is what got my husband and I through the loss of his business. Yeah. Um, if, you know, if you teach them not to overextend themselves, they'll be way ahead of the game. So you, you, uh, that, that's wonderful, the, um, you know, teach them to do things for themselves. Because, I don't know, in our, in our household, we've always taught our children how to, you know, just the basic things on maintaining a car, for example. Our girls are just as good mm-hmm. at it as our boys are. Um, and the debt-free, they were very good at that, but then they went out into the secular world and all of a sudden, you know, credit cards are being thrown at them left and right and they realize, oh, yes. oh, oh we, we, can, we can actually stretch our, our income a little bit. But they're learning, I mean, they're learning the hard way, but they're learning young. So um, hopefully that'll, right. that'll be a good lesson for them and it hasn't been too, too dangerous at this point. Um, so we're looking towards more of not complete self-sufficiency, but I know one of my sons would love to grow all his own food. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we didn't, we didn't grow up teaching him that he's obviously got that desire from maybe throwback because I mean, all of my grandfathers and, um, you know, they grew, they had their own allotments, they had their own vegetable gardens, that kind of thing. So is that sort of, is that what you're talking about? I mean, is that a, a healthy thing to teach your children, you know, sort of basic carpentry and gardening and, and cooking and that sort of thing? Definitely. Because if you pay for those things, you'll pay so much more. But also, I mean, just generally speaking, it adds to their self-esteem when they can do things for themselves and they don't have to rely on others for everything. Right. Um, You know, gardening itself, our our food sources are suspect now. You know, we're getting food from all over the world, and at times there have been problems with it. If you can grow your own food, not only do you save money, but you know what's in it because you were there. You can grow organically, and then you don't have to worry about what else has been added to the food supply. So I think it's a great idea. So in in the area, yeah, sorry, in in the area of, um, you know, as parents with our children, and and we do tend to do what what was done to us as as young children. So, I mean, you know, we do look at college, except, you know, with my children, I didn't necessarily say, you have to have a college education. My parents said that to me, you know, finish school, Mm -hmm. go to college, get your degree, then you're on your own. You can do what you want to do. You know, our responsibility, they, they said to me financially, as far as I was concerned, was finished. They were done. And so that's mm-hmm. what I did. And I expected all of my children to probably do that until, as you say, we saw the amount of money it was costing. And um, so a couple of our children didn't go the college route and, and two of them have. And um, mm-hmm. both. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that either one of the degreed ones are making any more money in fact my my poor zookeeper makes a pittance compared to what he has to pay back to the government with his science degree but he couldn't mm-hmm. work in a zoo without this degree he had to have this degree in order to be able to do that right and, and you know and that's frustrating but you're right also about some of the public schools because there's a public school district here in in dallas that says we're going to pride ourselves on 
sending every single one of our students to college. And I have a friend who's a teacher in the system and she said, there's no way. Some of those children should never be told that because it's a lie. They can't even put words together to make a sentence. How can they go to college, you know? So that's why you see so much remedial math and remedial reading classes at college. You know how much mm-hmm. you're paying per credit hour for those classes? I, know. I, I mean, know. those kids should not be in college. It's, it's cruel to tell them that. And another thing is that a lot of kids, are, they're very good with their hands. And in this country, we've gotten to the point where we look down on people who work with their hands, which is so mm-hmm. foolish. And, I mean, you, you know what car mechanics make? They make a good living, and they work with their hands. So we need to rethink that. Mm-hmm. Even in manufacturing, we don't need as many machinists, but we do need machinists because a lot of them are retiring. And mm-hmm. machinists can make good money, and they can go to a tech school for a year and get enough training that they can make a nice living. And we need to start respecting people who work with their hands again, I think. Absolutely. So what, what is important today? What's an important skill that a parent could, um, you know, sort of teach their child or their children that maybe they, they haven't thought of? You know, say they're the traditionalists that say that college is the only way and this is new to them. What would you say would be the most important thing that a parent has, should do? Um, I would say communication skills. If you're looking toward them, are you talking about looking toward their future employability? Or well, yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. Okay. Yes. I would future say employability. Yeah. Are, yeah. Yeah, is, are very important. One of the things my older kids have told me, um, they've both been in positions where they interview people for jobs at times for their um, where they work. Mm-hmm. And they said they will get people who can't put a sentence together who just sit and stare at them like deer in the headlights. And these are people with college degrees. And, you know, my son says he's got them coming in. He sees them sitting in the waiting room texting people. But when they come in, they can't even tell him why they want the job. Mm. And it always amazes him because he wasn't expecting that, you know. And so you need to be able to communicate verbally. And I think homeschoolers often have an edge on that because their kids are growing up in a family situation um, you know, like we ate dinner and lunch together most days, and so we would have conversations at the dinner table. They learned how to converse. So homeschoolers probably have the advantage compared to kids who are stuck in a classroom a lot of the time being told, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, also written skills. It's amazing now how little people are learning on, about how to write. And in college, kids are just buying their term papers off the Internet, and they get away with it, and they never really learn how to write. Um, but from what my kids have told me, it's the verbal communication that seems to be lacking and that will really give you an edge um, when you're looking for work. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a lot more entrepreneurship, a lot more people working for themselves. You have to know how to market your product. You have to be able to talk to other people about it. If you can't do that, you're not going to be able to sell it. Mm-hmm. So even for self-employment, it's, per- it's important to have good communication skills. All right, Barbara, we've got to go on a short break. Can you come back for a few minutes in my final segment and just wrap up some thoughts on on your book? Certainly. All right. We'll be back in just a moment. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. 
kids? Do you think you're creative? Do you want to be? Don't have enough time for your arts, crafts, and hobbies? Or do you just need a kick in the pants? Hi, I'm Mark Lipinski, the host of Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, right here on TogiNet Radio. Come on and join me every Wednesday afternoon for some creative inspiration and two of the fastest, fun-filled hours of your week. Hey, need ideas? How about a little motivation and a lot of inspiration? Join the fun on Creative Mojo with me, Mark Lipinski. I'm here live every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific, right here on toginet.com. Now what are you waiting for? Have you got kids? Need a little help dealing with your everyday battles? Is it time for you to call in reinforcements? Then join us each week for Mommy Warriors Live as longtime mob bloggers Alyssa Banco and Nicole Perry share their informative and hilarious stories from the front lines of parenthood. Armed with nothing but band-aids, some tissue, and a half-charged cell phone, there's no parenting battle the Mommy Warriors can't solve. Tune in each Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another episode of Mommy Warriors Live. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Right, Barbara, well, just as we were going on a break, we were talking about um, some things that we could equip our children, our older children with before they graduate from home and uh, from the homeschool and go out into the world and either get jobs or if they are that way inclined to go to college. You said the communication skills, both the, the written and the spoken and having to marketing and your own business now marketing. OK, so social media. There are a lot of moms out there that are very familiar with social media, but there are a lot of moms out there that aren't at all familiar with it. And I think that's an important marketing tool. It's not the only one, but it is an important one. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. I do. Um, I think for our kids, most of them can probably run rings around the adults in their lives in social media. So I guess I didn't worry too much about that. Um, But I definitely agree with you. It's necessary. Um, personally, I'm on Twitter, and I find that um, people ask me questions on Twitter that I'm always happy to answer. So it isn't just a matter of marketing. It's also a way of tapping into the community and being able to help people. So it has a okay. lot of benefits. Yeah, and and your book, Thriving in the 21st Century, you've got seven strengths. Obviously, we didn't talk about all of those strengths, um, doing things themselves. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about that and and you know, perhaps learning how to do the basic, I don't know, tune-ups or even housework, cooking, that kind of thing. Um, anything, any other strengths? You said they've got seven strengths. What, what's another strength? Well, another one would be computer literacy, but I, I don't mean being able to um, use social media or text. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, when people buy their kids computers, a lot of times they're into the games and things, and they don't ever learn how a computer works. So I'm talking about how a computer works. Um, how to use certain software anymore, you know, in your job, there's certain things you're going to have to know how to use, like Microsoft Excel. Um, and those are things that our kids can all learn before they leave home so that they can say they have those skills. 
mm-hmm. when they go for jobs. And, mm-hmm. you know, usually what happens is you discover some of your kids are particularly talented in that area. You can encourage them and then to go ahead and study those um, types of software and even more extensive ones and get into computer languages. And they can take tests that will allow them to become certified. And those are things they can put on their resume that a lot of employers are looking for. So I would say computer literacy is important, but I'm not talking about the social aspects of it or, um, you know, how to play games or, you know, how to download fun movies. I'm talking about how a computer works, how computer languages work, and how to use the software that's most common today in business. And these are all things that our kids can learn on their own. Or you can, you know, you can sign them up for classes either online or at your local community college if they work, you know, if they learn better in that kind of an experience, they're not, you know, not as, as much into independent learning. It depends on your child. All right. So, and, and I, um, when we, and, well, and talking about not necessarily going to college, not every child needs to go to college or should go to college. The alternatives now, I think, are, are getting better here in America. I know in England, we always had the trade schools and what we called the polytechnics because they, they would deal with all kinds of technical things not just one and the children could leave school at 16 knowing that they're not going to go to university which are the last two years of our schools in England is that college track and they would go straight into learning how to cut hair or be a mechanic or any any number you know computer literacy classes and that sort of thing and I think America is now becoming more aware of the importance of that. I agree with you, um, and it, and there's a big demand for it. Even mm-hmm. around here, um, we have what they call tech schools, and at the tech school here, some of those um, areas, they've got a two- and three-year waiting list for students. They're scrambling for instructors so they can add more classes. Mm-hmm. So there is a demand for that, definitely. Mm-hmm. Finally. <laughs> Finally, and um, how, how, they, how they put it into place, because there is talk about some of the high schools taking on that role. Yeah, well, they Pat. used to years ago. Yes, yes. Years ago they did. My father went to a vocational high school. He he's a, was an air mechanic, but mm-hmm. he learned that at the beginning in high school. Yeah, yeah. They did away with um, them for years, unfortunately. Well, and I suppose a year or two years at not such a high cost is more attractive both to your student and to your wallet, your bank account. So Definitely. Definitely. And it helps you see, too, if they have an aptitude for it or not. You know, that's a more inexpensive way to try something. It doesn't Mm -hmm. work, then you try something else. All right. Well, your book sounds fascinating, and I need to encourage my listeners to go onto Barbara's website. Just You can just Google Barbara Frank's name, and you'll get her all thriving in the 21st century. And I've got links to her to her work and her website on my front page at Toginet. And Barbara, we've come to the end of our time, but I'm sure that I'll be inviting you back because we have so many other things that we can talk about. I've been talking to Barbara Frank um, about the skills needed for our children to be successful in the marketplace or as entrepreneurs. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Visit her site at www.thrivinginthe21stcentury.com. Buy her book, read her blogs about homeschooling life, be inspired by um, her life and what she's done. She's raised um, four children successfully and one of them has 
Down syndrome, and this, there's a lot of information on her site about um, where to go and a lot of resources um, for helping you if you have a child in that situation. Uh, Barbara often speaks to home education groups about homeschooling. Uh, she's a freelance writer and editor and former newspaper reporter whose work has appeared in Focus on the Family magazine and the Old Schoolhouse magazine. Barbara, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. I hope you have a great weekend and um, good luck with your book and any other endeavors that you may have. Well, thanks so much, Vivian, for having me on your show. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Goodbye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, like any mom, speaking the truth is something that I strive for. And I, I always think that in our conversation that Barbara and I just had, you know, you can't tell every single child, promise every single child that they can go to college. We'll guarantee that you go to college because as, as we spoke about, some children just aren't equipped to go that way. And it's very expensive if they find out two or three years down the line. Um, but as far as telling the truth to my children, I want anyone who meets me to know exactly where I stand. And usually when they find out that I homeschooled, I think they presume that I'm a Christian. And so that speaks volumes about my beliefs on any number of issues before I even open my mouth. No pressure, of course. As people get to know me better, they'll discover some of the nuances to my Christian life that I've developed while raising teenagers and young adults from innocent children. It was a yellow brick road, but not always scattered with rose petals. I have a friend, I am the sociable homeschooler after all, who's a mom, and I encouraged her to homeschool quite a few years ago. She used me as her homeschooling mentor. She asked me questions when she has conflicting thoughts about people that she meets at co-op and other homeschoolers that she doesn't get along with. And I had that problem too. The support group for, of homeschoolers weren't necessarily my cup of tea. I get on really well with those I meet on this show and I get on really well with some homeschoolers I meet when it's not in a homeschooling function. And as we all know, the diversity within this culture is great enough for everyone to find companionship most of the time. Anyway, my friend has young children and she loves to hear me talk about my grown children, how I struggle with their life choices, despite the upbringing my Texan and I gave them. How amazed and happy I am, even though they came from the same household, that they all fare quite differently and totally independently in their lives. I told her, my friend, and I remind all of you out there that from the start, and definitely from the start of teenage years, we need to let our children know how we feel about certain things. We need to lay our cards on the table, as it were. My children all know my stance on sex before marriage, living together, tattoos, drugs, piercings, morals, lifestyles, divorce, bad-mouthing each other to me. Hey, in a career of homeschooling spanning 20-some-odd years, a lot of ground can be covered. My point is that by the time your children and mine leave home, they should know without a shadow of a doubt where you and I stand on issues and the boundaries we have regarding those issues. It goes without saying that those boundaries will differ for each household. My children know how I'm going to respond when they bring me a problem or involve me in me and my cowboy in their personal crisis. For me, I can still love my children meet them where they are, have a relationship with, with them without feeling that I'm condoning their behavior. 
because they clearly know my take on their behavior. I won't let cohabiting singles in the same bed under my roof or drugs in my house or underage drinkers or I won't let anyone drive home intoxicated and they know it. Now, I don't turn a blind eye when I meet them. I ask them to respect my boundaries and they know my limits. I love them, support them, will be there for them, but I don't always approve of their choices. Alison Botke, who was a guest on Girlfriend It Here on Toginet on January the 9th. Go listen to that show. She's wonderful. She wrote Setting Boundaries with Your Adult Children. And I read it before I had adult children. And her story is one of self-discovery. You have to know yourself before you can guide others. So I suggest all you mums out there, take some time each day to really reflect on who you are, how you view things, how you what, what you want to give to your children, what you want to um, have them leave home thinking, the foundation. You are building that foundation. And then let them know. Let your children know exactly how you feel about certain things. And that way, you can talk to them about their lives. You can smile at them and they'll know, well, she's not condoning me, but she is listening to me. And perhaps one of these days, things might change. You know, they're just young, you know, give them time. And that's it for another week. Once again, I've astounded myself by how time flies when I'm having fun. And it's been four years of fun. I downloaded a pedometer app to my phone this week. I know I'm crazy mad because I, I do love to walk and I walk every single day and I've been doing it for years and years and years and did it in London and it's much easier to do it at Hideaway Lake down in the country because there's some really nice walks there. But I've realized that I walk a lot every day and that has worn me out. But, you know, I've got this pedometer and I'm going to go out walking and I just hope my competitive spirit doesn't start to click in because I'll be going out for longer walks than just an hour. Um, anyway, so thank you for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. I'll be back same time, same place next Friday. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my producer today, Sabrina, and my guest this week, Barbara Frank, and you, my faithful listeners. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to help you get through your day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, 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 Thank you for joining us for the Sociable Homeschooler.